Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, if it is someone who, who wants to do it as a single person, going to tell them that, you know, they should go and have a one-night stand to get a pregnant, you know, how helpful is that? You are listening to the Dope Black Moms podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Jenny O'Connor-Mensa from the Fertility Network UK. Thank you so much for being here with us at the podcast. Hi there. Welcome, welcome. First of all, fertility, such a big, big, big topic, and it comes up um, quite a bit. So I just wanted to first understand a little bit about the Fertility Network, what it does, and your role as ethnic minorities project worker. And then I wanted to really get into fertility, such a vast topic. But first of all, can you just tell me a bit about what the Fertility Network does and specifically your role as ethnic minorities project worker? Sure, I mean, firstly, I wanna say that it's really great to, to be here and be having these conversations because as you've touched on, you know, it, it's such a big topic and, often not discussed, you know, within the black community. And that's exactly why I wanted to have this conversation. I don't think it's discussed. And then it kind of, there's so much fear and it's it's so taboo that I think it's good just to have these conversations. 100%. So, yeah, fantastic to be here talking to you about this. So I, I work for Fertility Network UK and we're the leading um, fertility charity in the UK. And we offer support information, patient-led groups, um, education and uh, training for employers around addressing fertility in the workplace. There are That's brilliant, fertility in the workplace. That's brilliant. Yeah, there's so many sources of support and um, that people that are experiencing fertility problems can access because there's over 3.5 million people in the UK experiencing fertility problems. You know, that's a massive amount of people. And so I've come along um, in my role as ethnic minorities um, project worker, and it is really to support a diverse range of people from Mm -hmm. ethnic minority communities, because what we're seeing is that there are stark disparities, you know, in terms of, ethnic minorities and fertility treatment and the outcomes and so there's a real need there's a real need to address the the inequality you know there's health inequalities that are being reported so I work with people from ethnic minority communities black Asian um, minority ethnic people racialized communities marginalized you know there's various different names banded around but we know who we're talking about Mm -hmm. and so the heart of my work is bridging the gaps between accessibility and awareness and supporting people from those communities to mm. be able to access and influence, you know, the the, the decision makers around uh, fertility treatment and, and the policies. Mm. Um, there's, there's a lot of stories that you know that aren't being told and aren't being heard and the impact of fertility issues you know it it, it is such a it can be such a devastating one and so 
particularly where there's barriers that are experienced from people from our communities, it's really trying to advocate for people in my role and to support them to get better outcomes at any stage of their fertility journey. I think it's so needed. And I think, like you said, we need to keep on having these conversations because we really don't talk about it. And when you mentioned that number right at the beginning, that means that we must know people in our lives that are experiencing fertility challenges. Yet I can't think of one person, I can't think of one conversation I've had with somebody in my network that we've had an open conversation about it. So I just, I think it's great to keep on, keep on having the conversation because fertility in general is just such a vast topic. We specifically wanted to talk about single black women, treatment options, and maybe just any myths that we can debunk, anything to just bring a bit of light to this. And um, it can feel so daunting and overwhelming. So anything that we can do just to make it feel a little bit more accessible, obviously, with your role. And um, I, I, I think that's part of the, the issue, that it just feels so uh, maybe quite alien for a lot of people. Most definitely. There's actually... Um research that's been done that 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 shows that uh black women were actually um had the highest number of um patients who were accessing fertility treatment on their own so mm. you know it, 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 it it's it's happening but it's it's not being spoken about you know it really isn't being spoken about enough what does the perception feel like to you so like the perception of fertility fertility challenges the, the journey what does it what, what does it feel like to you on the ground from the black community you know there's a gap in terms of awareness there really is and authorities you know have started doing the work around that but there's a lot more that needs to be done to inform people about what they can access because if you don't know you know you're not you're not gonna you're not mm. going to be aware, are you? That's just by the very nature and what the criteria is, you know, because there is a perception and it's it's one that isn't unfounded, but that fertility treatment is only for people who, you know, have money because you'll hear about a lot of people going for private fertility treatment and so on. But of course, people, if they are eligible, can access fertility treatment on the NHS as well. See, I think that's an amazing point. Uh, that was the first thing I would think is, how much is this going to cost and yeah. where am I getting this money from? Yeah. So that's great. That is great that there are options available on the NHS. So really, it's 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 education, isn't it? And it it's is. And getting that knowledge out there and getting the resources out there. So in your professional opinion, when are we meant to be having these conversations in our relationships, with our loved ones, with our children? Um, how, how do we get this education and like how how would you start the conversation is there anything preemptive that we could be doing i think it is like when we think about the journey that's happened around mental health and talking about that in within our communities you know and similarly where there's stigmas and taboos and and how a long way that's that's come along you know there's still a lot of work to do but we have started speaking more openly and authentically to our experiences around mental health in the black community. And I would say similar um, course and way of approaching talking about fertility 
uh, I I also work as a mental health professional. So it's seeing those two two areas, you know, there's a lot of similarities because of course having fertility problems impacts on your mental health as well. Mm-hmm. It's 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 an an emotionally distressing experience for many 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 yeah absolutely so starting the conversations you know whatever they may be you know there there may be that somebody very very young you know is experiencing uh gynecological problems and they maybe have not even contemplated becoming a parent you know to Mm -hmm. to any level where it's thinking about interventions needed but if they're able to talk to a loved one or a parent, you know, when it comes to the point of they're experiencing, whether it's having no periods or they are um, having painful periods or, you know, whatever it may be, being able to support that person to then go and see a GP and know what their rights are, you know, in terms of accessing treatment or being referred, it's going to prevent a lot of delays in people then further down the line experiencing fertility problems so it's essentially what I'm saying is catch people young you know have the conversations when people are are younger because there is for people that are wanting to use their own biological eggs or you know there is there is a time time limit Mm -hmm. to these things you know that many many women will be made aware of later a lot later down the line you know when they're actually at the stage of wanting to 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 conceive Mm. and there's less time then to to be able to to play with to put it sort of bluntly so Mm. the more that we can talk to our children and talk within our relationships about things that they're not always easy to talk about you know sex periods um etc but um that's where the sort of journey begins, really, you know, to be able to, to to start to have these discussions. As you said, knowing that there must be people going through fertility problems, but not being able to, to identify one person. Yeah. And that's very sad because what comes out on the ground is people do feel very isolated and lonely because they feel unable to, to speak about it in fear of the stigma. It is changing. It is changing and people are starting to speak about it more. But uh, I I really do feel that, you know, the more awareness and the more we start to have those conversations, the more the the, uh, landscape will change in terms of our community. What part do the schools play in this and colleges? What sort of conversations do they currently have and could they be having? Is there anything as parents that we may be need to flag with schools or kind of ask what policies are or any pressure that we should be putting on our education systems? It's a very good point that you've raised and in its work Fertility Network UK does um, provide a fertility education um, and that happens in uh, specific parts of the UK, um, um, Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales and so it is actually something that needs to be broadened out because there's 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 an identified need there you know we need to be mm-hmm. making people aware about this at a younger age it's early intervention you know work mm. that we're talking about here so that's a change that we could all take away from this then maybe us all contacting our own schools and asking 
like what's the policy or the procedures or the kind of the thinking is it that sort of on the ground pressure that we could all be doing there's no harm in actually asking those questions because if if the schools see that there's enough of a need you know for this and the reasons why people are wanting to um have this included somewhere in the curriculum you know whether that be when I was at school it was PSHE where that sort of sits within the curriculum in terms of educating children or whether it's you know externally that that could be done to support awareness but most definitely engaging with the school I think it's parents of course um and schools need to be careful because there will be parents who don't want children to be learning about isn't it yeah 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 yeah, Yeah. about things um and so on so it's it can be quite difficult you know we've seen that happen um here and 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 abroad where certain topics um parents really do feel that they they don't want their children exposed to and that's a choice for individual you know families yeah so so I suppose then what we can control because I think it's nice to think about what changes could we all make today right now and what changes we want to see long term so we could all as parents if this is a a topic that we're passionate about we could all be having these conversations at home we could all go on to your website facilitynetworkuk.org and have a look at the resources we could all educate ourselves to be able to educate our our children most definitely because it looks very different when you're you know a single woman in her mid to late 30s and you may have uh you know elderly parents or 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 aunties and uncles and they're saying you know why haven't you got a child yet you know when are you going to have a baby you know that feels very different to them being uh you know a younger person and perhaps being spoken to about considering some of these things you know we often hear about that type of scenario later in life for many women where there is a an immense pressure put on Mm -hmm. them when they are childless either by choice or not by choice you know by circumstance yeah absolutely and that and that and how distressing that can be so you know it, it is urging parents where where possible you know to engage with 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 these conversations um Mm. and if that means supporting you know their child to access treatment and um you know health uh, interventions then then that may be a way to, to to prevent delays further on right and can i just understand what are the common issues that are coming up for single black women and infertility? Are there things that you you would keep on seeing in your work day to day? I mean, you know, the thinking about the initial fertility issue for, for single women, for many, that could be the singlehood itself. You know? Right. The fact that whether it's being single by choice or being separated, divorced or widowed, widowed rather, that pre- that presents a, a, a fertility issue, you know, because if we think yes. about how babies are made, you know, these are the conversations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, that's, but that's just science. Yeah, yeah. Just, just science, okay. exactly. So women can feel often stigmatised by society and their families and loved ones and within their communities around their singlehood, you know, and so that can act as a barrier 
But mm. I think dismantling some of those taboos and stigmas that exist in all cultures, you know, it's not just within the black community, it's within all cultures that these that they exist, you know, being able to dismantle some of that, then what's being faced is that single women are disp- disproportionately impacted by policies which require them to, to self-fund, you know, for assisted conception. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah, and then it just kind of spirals from there. Yeah. So 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 not having, you know, if you if you're not in a position to be able to fund uh what what is IUI, you know, uh, treatments as a single person um because the CCGs or the, you know, integrated care boards have specific criteria and it that it has changed and it's changing following the the women's health strategy. But, you know, where it's previously been that you may be able to have um, 12 cycles, you know, um, of unstimulated interurine insemination, you know. But that needs to you need to be able to to fund your 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 cycles. You know, you need to be able to fund if you don't have an identified cause of of infertility. And so that barrier is there, you know, right. for many right. single women. Mm. So if we do have a loved one that comes to us and shares that they are having fertility challenges, um, what what would be your advice and how we support these people in our life? Like, what could we be doing? Yeah, you know, thinking about somebody experiencing any any challenge, you know, the, the hope is that that person would be, would be met with with empathy and and kindness, you know, because one to be able to be open and vulnerable about experiencing fertility problems, as I'm sure we can all imagine, it's it's not easy. And so, you know, in those very early initial conversations, to be really listened to that person and what they what they want, you know, um, around their their fertility uh, aspirations. I think is so important without sort of imposing our own advice and solutions, um, which may not be what the person wants or needs to hear. You know, if it is someone who who wants to do it as a single person, you know, it's going to tell them that, you know, they should go and have a one night stand um, to, to get a pregnant, you know, Ooh. how helpful, how helpful is that? you know yeah and that's that something that I've heard still happen? That- and yeah that's something that I've heard so you know I'm not saying that everybody would give that advice but it's just being really mindful that people to have come to the point you know where they it's it's difficult you know whether it be in a relationship or or they're considering doing it as a single person you know it's mm. it's really it's really coming with a lot of um a lot of grief, a lot of grief yes. around, you yes. know, what's not been possible or what's not been so easy up until that point. But there's a wealth of information that I would say a loved one can direct someone to. And of course, I'm going to say, you know, our website, fertilitynetworkuk.org. But it's just because there is so much that you can learn and the four loved ones as well. And it's we've even got fact sheets about supporting somebody who is experiencing fertility problems, you know, 
amazing ways to speak to them or how to say i think the language i think i think we can sometimes be so fearful yeah of saying the wrong thing that you just don't say anything so a fact sheet of just some ideas or some talking points or some some way some language some sensitive language that can kind of give you a little helping hand i think would be great so you have somebody who has decided to go on this journey I know this is a very big question, but is there any idea on timelines, costs that we you could give us and that we could think about? Or is it really simply individual to each case? It would be really good if it was, you know, if it could be standard, standardized mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, straightforward. Um, but yeah, it is case by case because depending on what the person's... Um, fertility problems are you know whether there's what intervention is needed that all affects timelines you know Mm -hmm. it massively does so if we were to sort of take a scenario where somebody um was single and they were you know wanting to conceive we're talking about having a a test you know having some tests having a fertility mot you know and and you go and see you know, medical professionals to in order to do that, to have some tests done. Typically, you know, a GP who would start that process for you, you know, the initial tests. And if something's been identified, you know, so there is actually an identified cause of subfertility, you know, so that may be if you have conditions affecting your fertility, which in our community, some of those conditions could be fibroids, Right. They could be endometriosis or adenomyosis. They could be polycystic ovarian syndrome. These are all conditions that can impact your fertility. And so if there is an identified cause, you know, then your GP can refer you to a fertility clinic. That's what should happen, you know, to look at what interventions, you know, are needed and that you can access. Okay. So just say we have a a woman who has been referred um i know there are many options and many reasons why you could have been referred but could you just talk through maybe the the most common treatment options available sure so there is ovarian induction so i mentioned earlier about uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome so not all women who have periods ovulate and so it may be that ovarian induction is 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 required, and that can be um, medication, you know, that that you're given to basically induct your ovulation, and that's a treatment option. And that could, you know, for some women having that option, they they've fallen pregnant, you know, and it's not it's not necessitated um, having any additional treatment, and that's not always the case, but it can happen that way. Then, because we were talking about assisted conception here, and I think what comes to people's mind is that it's always IVF, and it's not always IVF. Yeah, that's the term I think we always hear. Yeah. It's really good to hear the other options. That's what we hear and see in the media. We do, like yeah. on the movies and TV, that's, that would be, honestly, that would be my understanding of it. We say there's sort of estimated that there's about... 25% of couples, you know, with, with fertility problems where um, 
it's related to ovulation you know so that mm-hmm. like I said it can be treated with tablets uh clomid is a, a typical um medication that's given and so you know women would be monitored and you want to really avoid sort of stimulating the, the ovaries, not producing, you know, particularly if you produce multiple eggs, because there's a higher risk of multiple pregnancies. And, and so that's a treatment option, you know, in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have intrauterine insemination, which I mentioned earlier, known more typically as IUI. And so that's where the sperm is collected and it's washed and, um, you know, it's placed in the uterine cavity, so the womb, and it's done in time to coincide with your natural ovulation. It can be stimulated or unstimulated. So either you can be given drugs to stimulate your ovaries to produce eggs or or not. You know, it depends on what the, the, the sort of requirements are. So IUI, single women would typically... Um, that's typically what they would need to self-fund if they were wanting to um, have okay. assisted conception. And and is there a general idea of what sort of cost you're looking at? I mean, we're talking about thousands. Um, and yeah, I, and already, it does, that's more than I have, right? And it does differ from clinic to clinic because one of the things okay. is that clinics can charge, um, there's not a standard fee, you know, so some mm-hmm. will be cheaper. I mean, you know, we're looking sort of between one and uh, a couple of thousand um this is bearing in mind that you know it's not always a first time um yes success rate yeah and so th- this is the barriers this is where the barriers come in for many um right and then of, that's when maybe needing... the de- to, yeah absolutely that maybe then that spirals into depression and mental health and i can see how it all can how it's all interwoven yes most definitely because uh, it has an impact doesn't it you know it does it really does and just how you see yourself um especially maybe for the black community where there is that well historically there is that pressure to have children and carry on the line and you know you feel like you've achieved something if you've got a job and had a child and got a mortgage you know it it feels in in some people's eyes as that is success and that pressure and weight can um I'm sure doesn't help adding to the whole situation it really doesn't you know this is uh where you know the the cultural expectations really weigh heavily on our communities you know um and like you said, relating to tradition, traditional gender roles and identities, you know, these things really, really, they they, they hurt, you know. They, they hurt and they're ingrained yeah. in our history, aren't they? So it's, uh-huh. it's going it, to, it's a fresh time, isn't it? Having these, well, it is so fresh, like you said, that we're not, we're just starting to have these conversations. So it is a shift. We're going to meet resistance, aren't we? We are, most definitely. And, you know, there is things are changing slowly because, as I mentioned, that black patients had a higher proportion of single patients compared to other mm-hmm. ethnic groups. So, mm-hmm. for instance, for for um, donor insemination, you know, it, it was 38% as a single patient, you know, compared to different 
ethnic groups. So we are seeing that attitudes are changing towards relationships, you know, the traditional family setup and and lifestyles, you know, where people are thinking, I can decide, you know, this is coming into some of the myths that I was wanting to to, to yes. debunk. But well, yeah. Let, let, let's, let's, no, let's talk about the myths because earlier you said, which feels wild to me, that go and have a one night stand is actually someone's advice, someone's strategy. So what are the myths that are still, that you're still coming across day to day? Um, that single women do not decide to be a solo mum by choice. I think that's mm. probably the one of the first ones that I would mention. You know, there's still um, a disconnect that that not all black women will decide to follow the majority and and you know have a child in the context of a of a relationship, whether that be um, heterosexual relationship. You know. That, that that's the only way that it can be done in the minds of many. But not all black women will decide to follow that path. And so what we're seeing is, in fact, increasing numbers of women deciding to become a solo mum by choice. And, you know, people will have their opinions and views about that, you know, and there are reasons, mm. you know, why that's happening, such as, you know, delaying parenthood you know for 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 reasons related to um careers or you know study or having not have met the person that they wanted to start a family with you know for for various reasons there so that is definitely a myth that there aren't women who 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 choose to do this as a solo mum and it's great again that this feels like it's changing. That's good. Any other myths that that kind of come up quite regularly for you? Yeah, I think that sort of touches on one of the myths around um, people believing that they need to use a private sperm donor. Now, right. you know, we use that quite loosely because you know a one a one night stand could fall under being a private sperm donor you know <laughs> but but there is also things that you hear of that are really alarming where people are making arrangements via Facebook for instance you know wow. to, to find sperm donors right and and what money's transferring well you know that's often illegally that's right. often because it is illegal yes it's often can be the case I mean even if where it's not you know the, the, the misconception that you need to use a private sperm donor, it's a myth because we would advise that you would you can use a donor for a licensed UK fertility clinic or, you know, and that's in order to ensure that there's health related checks that have been completed, right. you know, right. including yeah. any serious genetic diseases or so infections like HIV and hepatitis or gonorrhea. You know, you're exposing yourself to a hell of a lot if you're not yes using Diligent. Yeah. yeah absolutely that's not to say that people can't use self-selected donors you know and that's mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily someone that they found from a, a sperm bank or um which, if we're just talking about sperm because there's egg donors as well obviously mm. but you know they can the people that are self-selected can have the checks done through the licensed fertility clinics you know um right. 
And there are sperm banks in the UK and abroad. So one of the things that I wanted to mention is that historically there's been a lack of donors from the black community. And this is what people are finding, whether it's sperm or egg donors. And, Mm. you know, that is a that is a, a real issue. However, there is provision that has been increased. And that's with actually the emergence of a black donor agency. That's fantastic. Okay. And so, and so, you know, it's it's about getting the word out there. So this is one of the myths. You know, you don't need to use a private sperm donor. You can um, go to a licensed fertility clinic or sperm um, clinic or donor agency. Um, you know, we aren't seeing that there is a you know um, a massive amount of 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 black donors in. The clinics but like I said there is start things starting to happen where a specific black donor agency has been set up and you know people can access uh, donors from um, UK or or abroad this is the this is based in the UK so they have um, the clinic in the UK and they also have a clinic abroad that so is fantastic yeah it's That's really fantastic. worth sort of looking out um and, and seeing what the options are there. So you, you don't need to, you definitely don't need to find someone on Facebook. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I shouldn't laugh because obviously people are. So they're feeling like this is their only option. So it is amazing that, that this is changing. It's amazing to hear that there is a specialist clinic being set up and, you know, everything that that can do. So it's just getting that word out. Um, mm-hmm we've again it's such a vast topic we we've covered just the kind of tip of single black women infertility and treatment options but in general it does feel overwhelming and this is me as as an observer I'm not actually living it or in it Mm -hmm. day to day so just if you're putting all your money your time into it you've talked about the mental strain um we've talked about how that can just affect your your relationships, maybe your romantic relations, but everything around you. So just really just any words of advice to anybody on this journey? I think what I could say on that is that it's such a complex uh, process and there are many stages to it. And so to really allow yourself to feel what you're feeling you know, whatever that may be, because there there can be many different feelings at the various stages. And we've mentioned a couple, you know, whether it's anger, grief, shame, uh, sadness, you know, the emotional impact really can't be underestimated. And it's not a linear process. I think one of the things is going through a grief process um on a reoccurring basis you know with with every failed attempt with every sort of you know period or or what have you so to really not feel that you you have to suffer in silence you know there is support out there um so please do reach out you know there has been a a a real intergenerational uh uh legacy of silence around uh, fertility problems in our communities for too long but we can change that and we have a black women's group through fertility network uk and i'm pleased to say that you know women are coming there for support 
you know, um, to support one another as well. And That's fabulous. That's amazing. Absolutely. I can absolutely. imagine that is such a lifeline. Yeah, yeah. Just Cause thinking yeah, I, about I, how isolating I, this journey can be. I can... I could only imagine how isolating it must be. And just to have a space where you can come in, a safe space, speaking with experts who are black women, just that mm-hmm. sounds that sounds amazing. Yeah. You know, thinking about the way that people need to feel that psychological safety to talk about mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff. So providing those those spaces and resources for our community to be able to do that is so important. And and they are there. How amazing would it be to be in that space and just be like, oh you too. Like yeah. I, yeah. that in itself, just seeing somebody else go through it and hearing how most probably the their reactions, their emotions are probably, you know, quite similar. That in itself is just so powerful. And I, and I can imagine how just a lifeline is anything to think of just what that would do. hundred percent, you know, very validating to what people are, are experiencing on a, um, you know, an individual, but also collective level and being able to share in that and offer support to one another and be mirrored, you know, and have that representation, mm. you know, what that does then is it helps to destigmatize, it helps to um, reduce isolation and, you know, the, the real emotional impact of, of, of having fertility problems. So I would encourage anybody to, to whatever, you know, whether they feel more, most comfortable, because I would, I think I also need to mention that there are LGBTQ plus um, groups as well, you know, that's, you know, where people feel safer um, mm-hmm. to, to definitely reach out. And we have a support line, we have an information line, you know, um, there's many resources that people can tap into and to, to, to start to engage in the conversations firstly with themselves around their own fertility problems but then with other people because you know the more that you are coming into contact with your own feelings around it and being able to identify those and have the language for what you're experiencing then you can start to speak with other people about that you know totally it's life-changing i'm going to put all the links in and again for everyone listening, it's fertilitynetworkuk.org. I just wanted to say thank you, Jenny, for just your wealth of information, everything you all are doing at Fertility Network UK, because it is game-changing. You are giving people that lifeline and the resources. And um, I think it's great that you, the work you're doing is really starting to demystify fertility challenges in general so just want to say thank you to all you're doing and and everyone at the office because I think it's phenomenal thank you so much and thank you for also um helping to increase that awareness you know that's really needed because that's how we can we can achieve effective change and sort of influence and improve uh, the race equality infertility treatment you know to be able to 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 have better outcomes for for people from from our communities amazing well i know we've only touched on a a very a few topics on the vast subject but it'd be great to have you back on just to to tackle everything and just delve in again to a couple of different areas so that we can keep the conversation going 
anytime. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely happy to do that. Dope Black Moms. If you'd like to join the Dope Black Mums private Facebook group, please search Dope Black Mums on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Please follow on all socials at Dope Black Mums. Thanks so much for listening. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.